Hello, everyone. My name is Dakshin Pruthi, and you're listening to Just Like Me, a podcast where six straight brown dudes attempt to unpack trending topics in the issues on issues in the world around us. Are we qualified to talk about these subjects? More than ever, debatable. But will we do so in a funny and engaging enough way that it won't matter? Here's hoping. Now let's hear from all the other amazing hosts we have on this podcast. Hi, my name is Avnish, and uh, honestly, we're going to piss off a lot of people today. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Srinath Gopalakrishnan. Sorry, <laughs> I'm Yush Narayan. I'm just a silly goose. Hey guys, I'm Saksham Gupta. And now it's time for the questions to be asked in today's episode of our podcast. So today's um, topic that we're going to be talking about is going to be about centered around Indian politics, which I, based on the Hassan Minaj episode on Indian politics, I mean, we don't have this big of a, you know, outreach or viewership, but I feel like we're definitely going to, like, Avnisha are going to get roasted on. But it's fine. It's fine. You, you know, know, us and our 30 viewers and Pruthi's <laughs> parents and Gupta's parents, we're going to piss somebody off. Rajini Shanko, holler at me, bro. <laughs> but you know what? Hopefully, we someone says something really stupid and, you know, it goes viral. And, you know, even if it's for the bad reasons, all publicity is good publicity, right? So, um, yeah. we, we uh, I'm going to start things off by just saying that I'm really actually excited about this episode. I, I wouldn't say I'm exactly like a expert on Indian politics uh, per se, but especially given everything that's happening in India with the unfortunate like or spike in COVID cases, the unfortunate, you know, like effects of the cyclone that's hitting India, the unfortunate, like you guys hear about like the white fungus and the black fungus that is killing people in India. They already like, no, like, I have no idea what this is. Yeah, a black fungus outbreak throughout India. I think it's actually in Bihar. I'm not sure, Amish. No. Of course, Bro, if, if something if something bad happens, of course it has to be in that one part of North India. I swear to God, I could be wrong though. No, Pruthi, it's it's all over. It's like in, okay, uh, okay. I, I just I guess maybe I don't know. I read something about Bihar, but yeah, it's all over again. I guess, and are the already existing you know like Hindu Muslim relations and like all these other issues that have been. Um, present over time it's, it's really difficult for everyone in india we just want to extend our sympathies to everyone uh, who's going through all this stuff like that and um as i mean like po- indian politics isn't i wouldn't say the root cause for all of these but definitely a factor in the way that a lot of these issues were handled and um that's why we wanted to talk about it so i'm going to kick things off by just giving it to gupta and uh he can kind of start off and then after that we'll just react and bounce off each other all right gupta floor's <laughs> yours um, so no, huge disclosure. I'm definitely not like an expert in any of this. I'm just like been reading a lot and about all this because it's like really interests me. So um, based on that, I've decided I've like come up with my opinions. And if you, you have like anything that you'd like to argue with me, feel free to reach out. Don't be like <laughs> upset that I say something because I'm always open to like change my mind as well. So I think that's like that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to a lot of these topics is that you should like keep an open mind and definitely like think about what somebody else has to say so I think that the first thing that I'd really like to kick off with is that like when it comes to like leftist issues as or rightist issues we've like kind of created like such a political divide in our country that it's kind of impossible to get a conversation from going especially amongst people who are technically on opposite sides of the spectrum whatever the fuck that means but i think that that's the biggest thing that i feel like 
we need to kind of change going forward is kind of listening to other people and not saying that, oh, this guy thinks this way. You know, he's stupid. He doesn't know anything. You, they have, everyone has their own thought process and opinions, and that really needs to be respected in today's day and age. So I think that that's the first biggest uh, thing that we should really focus on is just, real quick. Uh, yeah. So when you say like leftist and rightist, like people like, uh, like maybe like American listeners might be thinking like, oh, like Democratic and Republican, but that's not the name of the parties in India. So if you can kind of like ex- uh, quickly um, explain like BJP or like the other parties in India when we talk about left, and, yeah. left and right, uh, I think so that would be. There is no left in India per se, just as there is no left in America. Like Democrats, sure, you might say that they're left, but yeah. again, they're centrist. But when it comes to India, there's no such thing as a leftist or a rightist party over there. It's a much larger political spectrum. The BJP is not like an ultra Hindu, like conservative party. That's another party called the RSS. But in India, yeah, it's it's like one very large party that to make up a lot of parties that really represent anything ranging from right right of center to super far right yeah so um i guess the one party you can kind of say is uh kind of left is the op party which is uh um, party. Party. huh it's run by arvind kejriwal and it's only has one state which shows how like uh dumb the indian people like think their stances are on uh, indian politics like Op is ridiculously stupid. It's run by like uh, apparently a really educated guy, but their ideas on economics and like uh, political issues, social issues, it, it just doesn't line up with what's possible in today's day and age. So that's like the left party as of today. And I'm pretty sure there are plenty of other ones, but as of right now, from what I know, from where I grew up or uh, from where I am in India, like the op is the left and BJP is like centrist. And then RSS is like a lot more right based um but when it comes to now the fact that oh we're looking at uh the bjp versus the other parties in india there are two main political divides obviously there's the indian national congress and then there's the bjp right those are the two biggest parties that have been in uh india for the last however many years uh, since I guess 1920s even when the British were ruling the INC was like very much in control Um, but now there's been like a very big change in terms of political identity in India because they've kind of realized that the Indian National Congress really did nothing for India they were um, very more interested in their own vested interests and they kind of led to a lot of riots. Uh, anyone who says, who gives the example of like um, Modi and the riots that happened in uh, Gujarat during his time there, they fail to kind of understand the fact that when it comes to the Modi, like he obviously did have a huge issue when it came to that. He did not address the thousands of people in his constituency that look like we need to calm down and relax. He didn't do that. But at the same time, if you look at the history of India, not too many political leaders have done that. Sonia Gandhi, for example, the leader of the INC was shot and killed because of the fact that she did not address what was going on in Punjab and stuff like that. So, isn't that Indira Gandhi? 
Oh, sorry, Ender, not Sonia. Sonia's alive. But yeah. um, uh, you mean Mahatma Gandhi, actually? <laughs> Congrats, oh, also, Like, another interesting thing. So, a lot of people think that Mahatma Gandhi and, like, Indira Gandhi and Sonia Gandhi are related. It's not true. Like, <laughs> they're not related at all. Um, they changed their last name to match up with Gandhi so they would get more notoriety in the country as well. So, uh, uh, real quick, Avnish, you had a raising your hand. Oh, I, I feel like we might have gone too deep without like giving like higher order understanding of or like some j- painting the picture for some broader themes of like what what are the current set of issues in Indian politics uh, mm-hmm. and how they came to be. <clears throat> so, so, do you want to like start there instead as actually, opposed to I'd diving deep into the sorry go, okay. going so into I'm like in um. I'm in, uh, like, right now, there's a lot of police cars. I don't know why. He's in Baltimore. That's not you know, you know, you know, but, uh, but on, our, on our end, it's actually perfectly fine. Your mic is taking care of it. Okay, okay, perfect. So, um, yeah, there were, like, a lot of police cars and sirens going on in the background, but uh, forget about that. But I guess that the first biggest issue that we've seen is, uh, like, I feel that we should talk about is um, Kashmir, right? Like, <laughs> no, oh, wait, wait. I, I wanna I wanna go even I wanna go even higher than that for a second. Okay. What's higher than higher that? As in basic no, no, like we, we have to we have to state some things that seem very obvious to us, but I know for a fact that some of our listeners have no knowledge of India or I, Indian politics. I think like at least for me, like yeah. some of the higher issues are like um like India Pakistan relationships and that kind of digs deeper into like the religious relationships between Hindus and Muslims. Okay, so you can also say the divides divides with them among the states in india how there's like a there's kind of like also a division between like north and south um yeah i mean there's a bunch of there's just a lot of divisions i yeah, guess yeah so i i'd, I'd want to say that like the a lot of the divisions in india start with the fact that in in an like through through an imperialist uh when when under imperialism through the british uh you know, Indians were generally poor to begin with, right? But that that during the British time or the, prior to that? No, we were you know, balling, during, dude. No, that's not true. As a that's country, not true. Yeah, you, look at, you look at no, no, no. You look at the average Indian. Sorry, no, no, no. You look at the wealth of the average. No, no, no. no. Okay. If you look prior to the British Empire, even during the Mughal times, and then like Maratha Empire, the average standard of living was a lot higher. Actually in like indicative like it's in, been shown in initial records that okay but i'm, um, I'm talking on the global scale no i know i know even on global scale when the british came to india the first time the british were considered barbarians like they were seen at such low levels in comparison to the actual regular indian citizen they were considered like at a very poor level it was after that after like a lot of plundering and looting that the uh, Indian society became low. Like the reason that the British were able to divide so easily was because the like regular citizen was like content with life. If you give someone the right amount of food, water, and a shelter, they'll be fine, right? They won't care. So no, no. I I, under- I understand what you're saying. I got you. Yes, you're right to say that. Yes, if if I look at everybody around me and everybody has relatively speaking the same quality of life then by all me- by all metrics i am a wealthy person yeah or yeah. on aggregate a wealthy person yeah. maslow's but- hierarchy of needs yeah exactly okay yes psychology i guess <laughs> i don't know where that came from or economics <laughs> uh okay but like if you look at it as a whole 
Um, Indians are generally very poor and their wealth mobility is also not great. So a lot of people yeah. live below the seven rupee per day uh, barrier, which for listeners, that's like 10 seven cents. Dollars, roughly. Dollars. No, no. Seven dollars or seven rupees? Yeah, it's not seven rupees. <laughs> okay, okay. Seven dollars. Okay. But just seven seven dollars a day. Sure, there's something to be said about the price of goods overall. Uh, so seven dollars can get you a lot farther in terms of food, but you're still not going to have great mobility if a lot of people are living below the seven dollar per day minimum. Um, okay, and the next thing is India. India is a country that is like, uh, I guess, I guess would would the correct term to you guys be like entering like the first world, but not quite in the first world? Is is that like safe? The to way say? I like to describe it is that India is living in multiple ages at once. Parts of okay. India live in the 1600s, parts of India live in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. 1600s a while back, bro. I, I think bro, actually, people live in the Stone Age in India. Like, if you think about it, like the sentiment. I mean, some I've, people have to, yeah. Yeah. And then it's just like India is very. I mean, like, they don't have, like, they don't even, like, speak, like, any language. And, like, were they even, they weren't even verbal in the Stone Ages. Yeah, they were. They used to speak. <laughs> their own oh, language. no, no. They probably had was, some language, Pruthi. They probably had some language. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But then the next thing is that, um, yes, sir, where we? well, when you, when, when, an, when, when imperialism happens, okay, this is like a broad, a broad stance when imperialism yeah. happens and the British can come in and create such a large wealth divide between themselves and others, and then bring some of, bring some of India past that wealth divide, right? You end up with a series of a lot of other isms. Okay, mm-hmm. so like, like otherisms can take like can manifest themselves as like North India versus South India, Hindus versus Muslims, literally any anything with regards that can say, I hang out with this group of people, you hang out with that group of people. I have more than you, you have more than me. Therefore, I am better for, than you, or you are better than me. You know. Yeah. Uh, same same thing goes with like uh, the caste system, which you know is. Something that at least amongst like the greater educated 300 million Indians who I guess we would sort of categorically fall into, uh, you won't see as much, but we'll definitely fall into the lower one, one other billion people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, your caste, your caste definitely does dictate a lot of your wealth mobility as well, because people are very I mean, strict. People used to be very strict about marrying into their caste. So if you're in the was, lowest caste. That was then, like a very big outcome of like the British rule in India. It wasn't that strict prior to the British like colonizing. It was definitely reinforced a little bit because when the, like to be a colonial power, you have to divide and conquer, right? So the and British yeah. did very well. They literally, they literally found, like, like I said, like religious divides, geographical divides, like physical yeah. appearance like, divides, like. And, and yeah, that's the other thing you also have to consider is that prior to the British, India was divided up into thousands of kingdoms, right? The main yeah. two being the Maratha and the Mughal, which is like Hindus versus Muslims at the end of the day. So, but under both of those kingdoms, you also have to yeah. consider the fact that in the Mughal Empire, a lot of the army captains were actually Hindu. A lot of the army generals were also Hindu. In the Maratha Empire, there were a lot of Mughals, uh, there were a lot of Muslim, uh, Muslim leaders that were like in higher places of government and stuff. So they had to live, like they had to realize that you have to live 
cohesively to survive as a country. Now, when you come into the British era, what happened is now you have a country that doesn't understand that, that's ruling over like now millions of people who genuinely don't know any part of their own history and they're creating more and more of a divide, which leads us to today. And then you introduce the, uh, the religion. You talk about the partition. I mean, like, I, I, it's important to talk about, like, the historical divide. Yeah, should, people should talk about, you about when the partition. Lord Mountbatten, like, he was the viceroy of India back in 1947. When he was asked that, you know, we need to split up India into Islam and a secular nation, which is India, and then, like, a Buddhist nation, which would have been um, Burma. Sri Lanka no, Burma? Burma. Burma. Yeah. Burma, Nepal. Nepal's not Buddhist, it's Hindu. Nepal was also not part of the British Empire. Nepal was an independent country. Um, but Sri Lanka was considered also a secular nation. But when okay. it came to like that mountain Britain, he was kind of a bitch. So he drew a line and, and he never exactly even specified how big the line was. Cause like, you know, when you draw on a map, the pen, like it has its own width. So how fine never, it Huh? The fineness of the pen. Yeah, the fineness of the pen was not like fine enough to exactly distinguish what the geographic <clears throat> of the boundary was. So there was like a lot of issue there that caused the first war in 1947 amongst Pakistan and uh, India. Yeah. And then after that, it like led to a lot more um, issues, right? Now, coming into, I think that like there's a like going past of that kind of history is like interesting but it doesn't really reflect as much on the current situation today's day and age as the last 70 years do after independence as to what's happened um especially when it comes to like for example kashmir right so if we delve a bit into the history of kashmir what happened during that time the first thing was was that after partition happened there were a lot of independent states throughout India and Pakistan that generally did not know which side they would choose. For example, um, Hyderabad was a huge state in the middle of India, which did not join India until 1948 or 49, I think. Kashmir was also one of those constituencies, which was ruled by a large Hindu uh, um, king, had a very diverse group of people amongst uh, them. It was never a Muslim majority until the 1980s there was a lot of diversity in Kashmir from the start. So then after uh, Kashmir decided that it would go to India, it was put under a provincial status of a state that is not gonna be um, like a part of India until they figure some kinks and stuff out. But as in like what happens in, in a democracy, right? Like every single president just puts it off to the next president. In this case, in India, it would be the prime minister puts it off to the next prime minister, right? And this uh, kind of continued. So nobody really wanted to tackle the issue. So Kashmir was left in that st special status. And in, in doing so, kind of let like a power struggle happen in Kashmir as well. Yeah, I'm trying so to think you, like, or I'm trying to think of like an American equivalent of like the Kashmir issue that like American governor or American presidents is an issue that's been passed on from like one presidency to a next we're like oh we're going to address it we're going to address it but they never do i think like i don't know i like, don't i don't think there's a i don't think this is an issue that you could really say for the americans that relatively oh, gun laws but not really equates I don't dude know. It's, 
China. China is like a huge. Not, not really, because I said it's no. No, no. I'll, I'll say. I'll tell you exactly why. I'll tell. There's an exact reason for this. I think, uh, and it's for this reason. It's because America, America uh, believes in the. Okay, not that they always follow it, right? But it's baked into the government, relatively speaking, that there's a separation of church and state. In India, Indians don't really like the idea of secularism because secularism in the past has been used to generate voting blocks and essentially pin one minority against another minority where people are made wide sweeping promises for what if this person wins an election, but you have to vote altogether with the Muslims or you have to vote altogether with the Hindus or like it could even be factions of the Muslims or factions of the Hindus. With Isn't that still kind of happening you know? though? And so in, Indians... I mean, it's no, sorry, it still happens there. Over here, you didn't like, you know, even, you know, but like, it's not, it's not nearly as big as it is over there. Over there, it can really change elections. Yeah, so, I, I think, also, like, um, I'd like to oh, clarify yeah, something as well. When I said like Kashmir was never like 100% uh, Muslim, I meant like a very specific part of Kashmir, um, which is Jammu and like uh, Ladakh. So uh, those places were a lot like they had like a much larger Hindu population and the Buddhist population uh, in the 1940s. Um, but when it came to the Kashmir Valley, like the actual valley, that that was majority Muslim. I just want to clarify that. Sorry. But uh, um, when it comes to like America and like the issues that have been passed down from president to president, I genuinely think that one of the big issues that was passed down from president to president after um like fdr i guess is the issue of like social security right like nobody has really figured out what to do with social security we have a much like a rapidly increasing old, older population mm-hmm. and that's just something that nobody tackles because it's not like that sexy of a topic or whatever like but, education um, or healthcare. you're right yeah exactly and geriatric populations nobody wants to talk to oh talk no no about. nobody nobody touches it because if anybody screwed with social security they would lose their they would lose their next election yeah, but I think a similar thing for Kashmir. Same, like same thing for Kashmir. There, well, I, I just, mean, but like, I mean, you see, you see, Modi, Modi won a second election and said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the, the knife to JNK and like make sure that this issue is settled once and for all. They can no longer be an independent state the way that they were before. They can okay, no longer we're, be just we're, holding. We're, we're jumping right now. So we're doing a good job of covering the historical aspect of the partition and the tensions in uh india and pakistan and the, uh, that was we were doing a good time with, uh, with that let's slowly transition into so, yeah um, sorry. modern india back to, no, like, back to the history component sorry so this is like kind of a story it's kind of a narrative style but when kashmir was deciding between going to india or pakistan kashmir was a majority muslim uh, like the, the kashmir valley itself was a majority muslim uh, population, but the Maharaj of uh, Kashmir was Hindu. Jammu and Kashmir, they were grouped together. And if you look at Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh all put together, the population was very, very like diverse. It was not 100% Muslim, 100% Hindu, 100% Buddhist, but there was a large population of Buddhists as well as Hindus prior to the 1980s. Then Kashmir joined India and there was a huge, again, another uh, war that happened uh, and it happened twice, 1970s, 1947, 1970 something. And then 1999, again, there was a huge war between Pakistan 
and India over the status of Kashmir, which by international law and by international recognition has always been a part of India, regardless of whatever you say. Even when the Chinese came in and they caused the Sino-Indian War, they took parts of uh, Kashmir. It was, again, a power struggle. It was all to show who has a bigger penis at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> so when it came to... Now, when we look forward, India obviously showed that, yo, look, we're a superpower. You guys cannot just take our land and get away with it. <clears throat> that led to a lot of issues amongst the Muslim diaspora uh, throughout uh, the rest of the world. Looking in the 1980s now, Kashmir Valley had a large percentage of Hindus there. There was a, literally an apartheid that happened. And it, if you talk to anyone who is a Kashmir Pandit, they had to leave that area because they were all getting killed off. There were huge riots. There were literally people, like thousands of people that were getting killed. And this is not a talked about part of history because there was literally a massacre. It was like kind of um, a genocide almost, you can say. If you don't read about this, you don't understand the actual situation of what it is today. Kashmir Valley today is 96% populated by Muslims. Prior to this, it was not the case. It was very diverse. There was a major genocide that occurred during that time, and millions or thousands of people were killed or forced to leave their land. Now, when it comes to present day, what Modi did, obviously he could have done better, where he removed the uh, provincial status, but it was kind of like a band-aid that needed to be ripped off, where Kashmir is included into the rest of India, and it isn't seen as another state. The reason that the military could not intervene during the 1980s was because of that special status of its own state, right? That led to a massive genocide and it, there was no regulation. There was nothing that could have prevented them from stopping that. Now, when we look in today's day and age, there's obviously like a massive majority of Muslim population and you understand that like, yeah, of course they're Muslim. So they want to be a part of their own people and part of their own land, but that's what Modi wants to kind of show that like, look, we're not letting this land, which has been historically ours, go based off of no reasoning, just based off the demographics. You, Uttar Pradesh has a much higher population of Muslims. Why, is, why are they not striving for f- freedom? It's because they're able to integrate with, within the society. That's what Modi was trying to do in this case. I think, and, so wait, I also want to add like one thing I learned recently is like, you also, like, another big component of this um, situation is that Kashmir has access to, like, huge natural resources that yeah. both countries are in dire need of because, like, like, especially with India, because how globalized it's become and we've been, just been chewing through our natural resources, Kashmir has, like, access to, like, especially water, especially water that's been frozen and, like, yeah, you know, losing it to Pakistan or Pakistan losing it to India would mean, like, yeah, like well, the I ceiling. Mean, well, Kashmir's major source of income isn't even their mining or any of those operations. Kashmir's major source of income is tourism. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, like a very big Hindu site is also there. Um, that, uh, what's the name? Sri something. Um, okay, bring it back to it. But, but anyway, um, yeah. so when it comes to the incorporation of Kashmir into India, it's very important that you realize the history is 
very indicative as to what needs to happen. And Modi took that step forward. And obviously, it was not done in the right way. It could have been done in a better method where you slowly integrate. But he said that, dude, like, fuck it. I'm just going to rip off the bandit now, <laughs> remove any special status of this state. And we're going to integrate it into society so that they can become part of uh, India and they can officially like work with the rest of the country. That was the biggest thing um, that they did. Now, when it comes to the Western portrayal of this, it was that, oh, Kashmir was its own special state and Modi without any um, like jurisdiction, without any like kind of authority, he went in there and then took it from them and left them to starve. I thought, I think that this is the kind of narrative that the um, Western media really plays, uh, especially like liberal media outlets like New York Times and stuff. It leads to a very large political divide. It's kind of misinformation almost to the point where you're not really showing what's actually happening. But see, so I, I mean, like, Obviously, my understanding of the situation isn't as high as yours, but I think there have been so many other examples throughout, even like Modi's time in like any positions of power where he's not taken the, he doesn't like acknowledge all the stakeholders that are involved and how they're going to react. And he kind of just looks out for the Hindu majority, whether so that's what like, would be like an example of that. So, like, I feel like the situation in Gujarat, like, when he was a governor of, I don't know the exact terms, but when he was a leader of Gujarat, yeah. he did yeah. not take that. And yeah. then also the, I don't know, remember what, Amnish is a little more educated about this than I was, but there was a holy site, I don't know exact locations, holy site that was. Ayodhya? In yeah, Ayodhya. You explain. So, okay. So, when it comes to those things. I think I can Amnish. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think, I think, I think the. Explain it. Some of the riots in um, Gujarat that happened, of course, that was like okay. obviously very bad. Like uh, that was like extremely devastating. Thousands of people died. But the thing was, was that first of all, it was started by the burning of a um, like a missionary bus ride of Hindus by Muslim people. So. I'm not justifying that that cause that should allow for uh, like Hindus to start killing Muslims. That just puts them at the equal level. And there were a lot more Muslims that got killed at the end of the day as well because, as a result of this. But it did start off with um, like a huge bus of Hindus getting killed on their way to a religious site, right? So that was the one big thing that really instigated that. The next thing was that there was no regulation by the government during that time, which prevented riots from starting. But when these riots do start, it's literally what the fuck can you do? Because there are like millions of people in these states that will pick up uh, their like shovels and stuff and start killing each other. So it's really hard to exactly pinpoint the who's at fault here, pinpoint uh what could have been done better but when it comes to that yeah. whole issue you cannot just blame it on modi and say that it's I, his fault. 
Yeah, I understand. You definitely can't you can't blame him for the start of the issue, but you also can't blame him for being the one who stopped. I think it's, a, it's who, his who response. Tried to put a stop I think it's, it. main, it's mainly his response to an issue. With, like, response for, right, Yodia, for Yodia, for example, I feel like it was super just like tone deaf for him to even sh- like show up to like okay, hold on. We, we have not we have not given enough context okay we, so first I, I of all think, what do you think first wait, give I'm context first give context so no no okay I, I think i think i'm, I'm gonna step okay i'm just gonna go back yeah, yeah okay okay so a lot of a lot of these uh, uh religious issues can honestly be traced to the hindus did something to the muslims the muslims did something to the hindus and then don't that cycle the sort of repeated don't forget the Sikhs. i feel like that's okay, also important okay. And the, and the, Sikhs. Like the main two and the Sikhs. large religious groups in India. Like okay. So one one aggressed the other in some particular way. And yeah. then that became a chain reaction for that to continue on for the next 200 years. Okay. That so was- the one, okay. So the, the next, the, so, that, so the thing that Ayush keeps referring to, this temple in Ayodhya, Ayodhya is supposedly the birthplace of a Hindu, a Hindu god named Ram. Okay. Very, uh, highly, highly regarded in this. It's our Jesus. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. You could say he's Hindu. <laughs> okay. So, so sometime, sometime in the rule of the Mughal Empire, um, the 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 emperor had decided essentially that he was kind of going to go on a spree of just tearing down a lot of very important temples and in their and in their place, erecting erecting mosques. Uh, you know, sort of, sort of as a, uh, I mean, it's it's almost as like a sort of a cultural cleansing, right, or a religious cleansing, okay. And so, the claim was made that the the mosque that was built in the same area in the same uh, town where the temple was for the birthplace of Ram was erected on top of this temple that really nobody has like serious proof other no, than some archaeological. They do. Okay. Well, oh, no, no, I have, I have. I have so there. There's a there is a there is a archaeological yeah. There's an archaeological finding that says that there was some sort of construct which was built under under the mosque, but there's nothing to definitively prove that it wasn't just another mosque or a temple. All right, I have read that paper by so, the way. All I right, mean, so don't actually, don't don't come at me like that. All right. I don't know, okay, thing, when it comes to that, when it comes so when it comes to the archaeological findings. First of all, you have to also realize is that there was no mosque there before that. It was literally a temple. Like they, there was archaeological evidence that proved that that was a temple. And the yeah, other, I'm, thing- I'm telling, I'm telling you that like if you read the paper, the paper in which the the whole legal case is decided on, the paper yeah. in which the whole legal case is decided on, does not actually say that the ruins in fact are a temple. Okay. Okay. And this it seeks to figure that out, but it's super weak at proving that. That's my opinion. Okay. okay we yeah, have I'm gonna to go. Okay. 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 We're, no, but we're, okay. we're going Hold to. On. We're going to. We're, wait, wait one second. We're going. We're going too far into detail here. All right. So, uh, in the '90s, uh, the mosque that was built there was torn down by some far-right Hindus. Okay. And then for 25 years, uh, there's been an ongoing legal dispute. Uh, as to which way the land should go, should it go to the Hindus, should it go to the Muslims? Okay. And in the process, there was like all this shady shit that happened. Uh, there was a mosque and a temple that were erected. Then there was more violence at mosques and temples. And because they shared, they, they basically were sharing the land. Okay. And then finally, uh, Narendra Modi, prime minister, wins his election 
uh, two two years ago, right? 2018, 2019. And he says, okay, this issue has been ongoing for 25 years. Uh, Indians, Indians and Hindus everywhere are like super, Indians, Hindus, Muslims everywhere are super fed up that this has gone on for so long. And then the way it falls is towards the Hindus. And in the process, the large beef that a lot of us took, at least uh, like the, the, the Desi crowd over here who has grown up under this idea of separation of church and state, a lot of us took issue with this idea that the prime minister showed up to the, the, the groundbreaking of the new temple that... Um, Nish, you're cutting in and out, at least for me. Yeah, I can, okay. I can, yeah, he was just pretty much said that um, Modi showed up to the groundbreaking of the yeah. new site or the new temple. And it was just like, you know, as someone who's supposed to unify people, as a leader who's supposed to like, even like, even though he didn't start a lot of these issues, the yeah. way he responded and the way, you know, he had an opportunity to unite rather than divide he didn't take those opportunities and i think that's my main issue with them it's oh, similar okay. so that's okay i agree with that 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 was like kind of a messed up thing he definitely shouldn't have been so partisan about it but when it came mm-hmm. to the actual case it was nothing to do with modi that decided the outcome of that yeah no i i understand was like that. by the way also the judge that made the ruling in india there's no jury first of all so everything is decided by a judge right the judge that made that decision was Muslim himself. So mm-hmm. there was no like religious thing. It was based on a shit ton of evidence that the Babri Masjid was constructed on top of a old Hindu uh, mandir that was dedicated to God. So there was like a shit ton of evidence of Nish. I don't know where you're coming from when it comes to saying that, oh, we don't know who, who made that. Like it, there was a lot of archaeological evidence. Then on top of that, when it comes to the actual... Um, ruling of the whole thing I think it was pretty fair when it came to the overall end of the ruling what happened was that uh, they also gave uh, like five acres of land for another mosque like close by so there was no like unfair ruling at the end of the day based on the court's decision when it comes to Modi going in and doing all that stuff it was more of a show of support than anything in my opinion that he was like showing that look but that's that's the, that's that's the issue right you know when you have so but many Hindu at the end of the like, day if you don't like for example he, i know he is too, but but like, he should be i think he should be the prime minister of india person india is not just hindus and if there's yeah, an issue at right, the end of the day when it, every the, community he and with the community first not just his hindu community india's india's got as many muslims as america has americans okay like that is the scale of population we're talking here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying uh, last comments and we should wrap up because the point of this podcast was not talking about Hindu-Muslim relations. We're talking about other like more modern things as well. So I just sure. wanted to... Uh, anyone had one last well, thing to say or well, the transition? We, wait, could, is, it, is it possible for us to keep going or does, does everybody have to wrap up? I can do 20 minutes. No, we're not wrapping up. We're going to a new topic on Indian politics. Oh, yes. Okay, more. yeah, I know. No, but I'm, I'm just saying I'm fine with going over an hour this time because, like, you know, it's vacation and I think this issue kind of deserves more attention. I think, than- yeah, like, let's talk about, let's, I feel like we should talk about, like, the representation of um, what Indian politics and just, like, general society, especially, like, what it Wait. looks like, how it's being portrayed now. 
right? I think, I think that the one topic we should definitely cover is the farmer rights or farmer. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. exactly what I pulled Okay, up okay, right yes, now. yes, we should talk about that. Yes. yes, and then and then if if it's okay, could we cap off a COVID nineteen response? Sure. I mean, yeah, sure. I was going to do that, but I mean, a little big answer to the COVID nineteen response is going to be overpopulation. A lot yeah. of these things are going to be overpopulation, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, we can definitely end up on that because that's like the most. Uh, I wouldn't say trending because that's like a positive connotation, but like most like relevant topic in the media today about the COVID response in India. But when it but, comes okay. to the Punjabi or sorry, not Punjabi, but the farmer uh, protest that's been happening. Yeah. Um, a little bit of background on that as well. So we cannot discount the fact that in the 1980s, Indra Gandhi was killed due to the fact that there were a lot of pro-Khalistan movements that were occurring in India. And there was a large um, rebellious movement that led to a large uh, population of the Sikhs within Punjab moving from Punjab to places such as Canada and the United States under the status of... You should, you should also mention the Golden Temple. So the Golden Temple firefights that were happening were as a result of Operation Blue Star, right? Where um, there, were, um, there was like an insane amount of ammunition and it was enough uh, ammunition to pretty much like lead to a pretty well-funded uh, rebellion yeah. in um, India. Wait, 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 one, one second. One second. I, I, think, I think there's a good one-liner to explain this. Um, some terrorists went and took over a very holy temple Don't call them in terrorists. North India. Don't call them terrorists. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the term that 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 history and otherwise population has come down. All right. But no, all they right, weren't so fine. We can. What, what do you want to What do you want to call them? Then? What do you want to call them? They were re- they were rebellion. Like they were uh, okay. Rebels, rebels, extremists, rebels, whatever you want to call them. They definitely were they, not terrorists. Though. They, they decide. They they decide. Okay, let me let me let me just finish with this. Okay. Yeah. Let Let's remove the naming of what their group is for a second. It was a group let's of just objectively say group X. It was a group of people decide. A group of people decided to post up inside a very religious a re- very religious temple, and so the prime minister at the time sent in a I guess a spent like the military or some special ops of some sorts, and they were sent in to remove this group of people from this very religious this very holy temple. And in the process, they they spilled these people's blood on the on this temple. And when so they the when they were told were not to, said by that. When they yeah, were they told were, they were specifically to, told, please don't. I think they were specifically. Yeah, yeah I think I think they were fired upon, and then they had to fire back. I mean, okay, I think they were okay. told, again, told again, not again. to, from what I remember. But yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I'm not justifying besi- here. Okay, folks, it. folks, this is this is besides the point. We we're trying to keep this to a one-liner. Uh, okay. Blood was spilled. Blood was spilled by the past one-liner niche. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Indian, Indian Indian government shot these rebels inside this temple, uh, this the Sikh temple. The Sikhs were very upset at the prime minister at this point. Uh, Indian prime minister's bodyguard was a Sikh. Um, he ended up assassinating her, and it mm-hmm. created a such a bad response out of him. Wait, you cut off. Left, right. He's cutting off. What did you say? Say that last. Okay. Again? Oh, I was saying, okay, okay, yeah, sure. Um, anyway, so uh, the, the, body, the bodyguard the of uh, the bodyguard, yeah, yeah. The, the response after the assassination was such that Hindus Hindus were straight up left, right, and center, just going out and killing Sikhs in the streets, beating them black and blue. Yeah. Well, I mean, it that's was, historical it, context. Yeah. 
And a lot of, um, okay, go ahead, Gupta, sorry. I mean, it wasn't just one way. It was like a big fight between both sides because the Sikh population was also really large. It wasn't just that, oh, Hindus committed us atrocities. There were atrocities on both sides. Like you can't. I mean, there's clearly one majority that had oh, in definitely Punjab more power in, in Punjab and could be, Haryana, have a more oppressive hand. In Punjab and Haryana, that's not the case. The places where they were actually like fighting, it was not the case. Hindus are at a minority there. You have to realize that Hindus are like the, the dispersion of Hindus is all over the country. But when it comes to their actual concentration, most of them are located in like very specific areas. Um, but it's same thing with like Punjab, these, right? Like they're located in, or Sikhs, they're located in Punjab and Haryana. Over there, they're the majority of the population. You just can't think of the fact that they went and killed thousands of people that were there. It was both sides that were committing atrocities. You can't discount that. Mm-hmm. So now so we're moving towards God. MSP, right? Now we're looking towards today's day and age. This is this is a very key factor that plays in. So when it comes to the farmers' protest, there's a very big um, argument as to what it was cause about, what like what the cause was for the farmers' protest. And I think that the one thing that we have to kind of nobody like i keep saying this that you cannot discount these facts because they're very like you cannot discount any fact when it comes to these things and this is what a lot of western media has done is discount a lot of the main facts the farmers protest was conducted majority by two states in india and these two states are the highest earning states in india when it comes to farmers they're the richest states. They don't have the highest population of farmers. They don't have the highest uh, like overall uh, income. The income per, uh, so they don't have the highest number of farms either. The highest number of farms are in Bihar and Uttar Pradesh and uh, Tamil Nadu, right? Now, when Modi passed this- uh, Was the, it Modi? It was the Rajya Sabha, yeah, right? Rajya Sabha is the name of the government branch that passed. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, okay. so Modi, when he wrote the bill and he got, so Rajya Sabha is kind of like the Senate and the Lok Sabha is kind of like the House of Representatives. House of Representatives, yeah. So when it comes to Modi passing this bill, he put it on for a very good thing. It was to empower the um, overall farmers throughout the country. And that was what it was seen to do. The problem was now, the rich farmers in these areas, in Punjab, Kerala, Haryana, they were going to get affected because now they won't be able to buy a lot of these crops and products at a lower price from the farmers. So what they, these rich farmers kind of did, and this is this might be my own narrative, but uh, this is what I had this explained to me by a couple people, was that they started kind of doing a misinformation campaign in these areas saying that, look, they're going to kill you in terms of prices. When in all reality, this is putting the pricing in the hands of the farmers. Every single person who has any single, every single expert in India who has had an opinion about this has said that this is good for the farmers of the poor uh, areas. Next thing on this topic is the fact that if you want this bill to get passed, you need the state legislation to pass it. The four states that didn't were Punjab, 
Haryana, Kerala, and I'm forgetting the fourth, but those are the four states that also have the richest farmers. There, there was obviously like a connection between the two, right? So when it comes to the protest, it was a huge misinformation campaign that a lot of people fell for. It was a big conspiracy at the end of the day. Now, when it comes to the Western portrayal of it, when the New York Times said, we stand with the farmers, that does not mean that they stand with the fucking farmers. That means that they stand with a very secluded number of the farmers in India. The rich farmers who are controlling the... Exactly. They're not standing for the poor farmers who have to deal with people like Nestle, who literally have their land stolen, right? What this bill does is that it allows these farmers to sell not just to one company. Now multiple companies can come in and bid for various crops. <laughs> and so go, my question the, is, I'm oh, sorry, go for a quick thing. No, it's just, so um so, so when I when I remember when I was reading up against this, it says the farmers may one of the main protest farmers is that they uh, are not as in charge of their sale or the price of their crops and mm-hmm. their mercy of the corporate and the companies that are selling crops. And that's one of the biggest problems that they had yeah. with the, uh, the Piggy- farmer bills. Piggybacking off of Kruti, there was like a, there's a guaranteed minimum that was previously in place in these yeah. markets. And with this new bill, that would be, that would pretty much be taken away and that would well, let corporations yeah, be able to set their own prices. a big misinformation thing. MSP was never removed. MSP was always said that it would mm-hmm. be they there was nothing in that bill, absolutely nothing in that bill that said that MSP is removed. So mm-hmm. again, it there's okay, nothing. It, it's not removed, but it is it is a step in towards the the um, it's a step towards that direction. What one of the protests that they had is that MSP be guaranteed by the government. MSP do not ever be removed. So, is what, what that's saying. the other thing, right? Like when it comes to the negotiations between the farmers and the government of India, yeah. MSP was one of the things that the government of India was very lenient with. They said that, yes, we will let it go. Like, But the rest of the things that were happening when it came to the demands of the farmers, the 11 demands of the farmers from Punjab, it was yeah. ridiculous what they were asking for. First of all, they were saying that crop burning, you should let it become a thing. Crop burning has destroyed the environment. Second thing that is big uh, when it comes crop to crop burning, the- just for context, is for to uh, for the soil. So if you burn a crop, you can like replenish the soil and the nutrients. And it's that also are if you have a bad crop, then you can just get rid of it instead of having mm-hmm. to remove it all. Wait, yeah, also MSP context. MSP is minimum selling price. Yeah, MSP is minimum. Okay, selling. just make sure. Then the fourth thing was that uh, they wanted to remove any restrictions on the water. As of right now, in terms of um, the water usage in Punjab and Haryana, it's fucked. <laughs> like, there's a very good reason why they put that there. If you look at it, experts are predicting within the next 30 years, these two states are literally going to become desert-like wastelands because of the fact that there's no regulation on water. What this bill did was that it increased the regulation on water and it helped with uh, like maintaining res- uh, like reservoirs. <clears throat> There were plenty of other demands that happened. There was also one that was, I thought that was just the most craziest thing was that they wanted to release the people who uh, had, um, uh, so they wanted to release the people who had taken- Went to jail for burning and for electricity riots. That one too, but they also had a uh, demand where they released the people who were planning to assassinate Modi in those areas. 
so that was like another big demand that they had and I, I like there were plenty of demands that just didn't make sense for the government to meet and these people the um rich farmers were not budging when it came to this msb was one of the things that the indian government was like yo look let's talk let's sit down and talk but they were not budging on a lot of these issues at the end of the day so when it comes to this thing you cannot just simply say that look we are pro farmer pro modi you have to be in the center you have to look at both sides and kind of deduce the facts that there is a good reason as to why this was conducted and there's a good reason as to why modi has not moved even an inch he hasn't budged at all on this now it's because of the fact that there are multiple issues that they're so trying to solve with this so this whole instagram posting saying that oh i stand with the farmers <laughs> new york times posting that oh yeah i stand with the farmers it doesn't make sense to me at the end of the day because you're not really understanding what's going on in the background i think um the instagram posting and the response of the western media at least has been to the i don't think like uh, i agree like i had to research a lot of the farm laws like i think the, the average person who's supporting it is not responding to the farm laws themselves it's responding to the treatment of some of the farmers like obviously the things that go in the news the thing the new york times just over cover are uh, the treatment of like how like farmers are being beat up kind of farmers like having their electricity canceled all these ways that uh local governments are treating the farmers and obviously i don't think anyone this thing anyone in this zoom uh this video podcast whatever thinks that is fair they think that farmers should have the right to peacefully protest peacefully riot so that's true but when you have 14 when you have this uh population of america protesting on the streets of uh, delhi right that's a huge issue as well right so um delhi only has like five inroads that go into <laughs> the um uh, city so like when it comes to the highway coming into delhi it, there's there was a huge issue when it came to medical supplies so when it comes to the mistreatment of the farmers they also didn't understand the fact that they needed to get out of the way for certain like supply trucks to come in and that's what led to a lot of these uh water cannons and stuff and like obviously that's not the right response but there is and it shouldn't be a justification but it's kind of just you need to understand that people were also dying due to the coronavirus so there was a multitude of factors that was playing into this right yeah i i uh one thing i like to bring up is it's like a kind of similar to the freedom of speech thing I was talking about. I thought you mentioned coronavirus. Like there's, if you Google like farm protest, if you read a like Indian newspaper versus um, American or like Western newspapers, it's a drastic difference. Like you see some Indian newspapers like, oh, why the farmers protest is causing the spread of the coronavirus. Like they're causing, they're correlating the spike to the protest. And that, I don't know, that kind of struck me in a wrong way. Cause it reminded me of like how like Republic or like, like right-wing individuals were, uh, uh, correlating the Black Lives Live Matter protests to the spread of coronavirus in the United States, and yeah. so I think um, mm -hmm. both parties are I, uh, both like I, like you said, like, there is no right answer here. We're just like bringing light. We're just talking about it, but there are some things that are having bias. Oh wait, uh, when I say uh, coronavirus, sorry, when yeah, I said coronavirus, I, I wasn't sorry. talking about like the spread amongst the farmers. I was talking about the people that were dying in Delhi. Like they yeah. they didn't have enough ventilators coming in, so. The ventilators were coming in through the northern part of the city and that was like and they were blocking that uh access 
So that was one big reason that the water hoses were being used was that there was not, they just like simply weren't letting them through. So it was like a huge issue for the medical uh, campuses in the in Delhi itself. I, so like overall, I think I can agree. I can agree. Like there was definitely some misinformation and context being left out because I feel like definitely in the U.S. we like to find even like the way we do podcasts, right? We like to find parallels between oh, like what it's like over there and like what's the most similar situation in the U.S., right? So what happened was like obviously the New York Times will. Like Modi's been painted as Trump multiple times. So that's like mm-hmm. immediately, at least people who are more left-leaning puts a target on Modi's back, even though, I mean, I disagree with a lot of the things he does, but Indian government also has its own set of like nuances and different, like, I don't know, political system that makes it, it's a different landscape. Yeah. And I think you can't, you can't paint, the same paint it under the same brush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point, Ayush. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I'm not sure you're there. Sorry. That's the other thing. Sorry. Last point. Is that yeah, I'm still there. I'm just trying to follow along. My bad. Okay. And then, it's sorry, just uh, internet's a little This is my last one. Like, right, when the New York Times writes about India, right, they portray it as a country that's very, I feel like they don't understand the sheer size of the fucking country. They think that India, I, the most recent headline I read, or one of the recent headlines I read was like, oh, yeah, India is supposed to become the next Israel, right? Dude. India has the second highest Muslim population in the world, just behind Indonesia, and it's going to beat that population within the next 20 years. India has the yeah. highest, will have the highest population of Muslim people in the world. The fact that you don't fucking understand that is just mind-boggling to me. No, dude, that's the thing. A lot of people in the West don't even realize that India has religions outside of Hinduism, like how there's there's... Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism, even. Judaism, large Judaism. number of Jews in India too. There's like a huge number. India is the number one, uh, like they, in terms of religion, they have the highest number of Hindus. They will have the highest number of Muslims. They have the highest number of Baha'i. They have the highest number of Zoroastrians, the highest number of Jains, Sikhs. Like when it comes to religion, India has the highest number of like most religions minus Judaism. That's it. And Catholicism. Like, that's the only thing that they're lacking in, in terms of diversity. And that kind of feeds back to their religious tensions and, like, a lot of the divides that are in India and they're kind of talking about. It's like, it can't be governed equally because uh, when you have, like, a Hindu nationalist a leader like Modi, you can't, it's it's hard to compare his actions uh, to the way that, um, Trump or like any other American president or Biden or any American president does because like we said, the separation of church and state is much more pronounced in the United States than it is in a very religious country such as uh, India in which there is no, you know, uh, national language is like English, you know, there's no like set language because there's hundreds of different languages and dialects, hundreds of different religions. And so, yeah, yeah. I agree that the governance is different. No, and uh, Pudi, I don't think also I wouldn't put Modi as like a ultra right wing Hindu nationalist leader, by the way. Like he, done, done, but like, he has done things. He has done things that put him in that light, you know, even though he explicitly doesn't say I'm a Hindu nationalist, there is definitely like he but definitely he, leans a little bit more there. He's, he hasn't like, again, the stuff that he's done is portrayed that way by the media a lot of the times. But when it comes to the actual like him thinking about these issues he has done a lot for islam in india as well like the law where you can say uh 
where you just need to say talaq, 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 right? In Islam, <laughs> three times, right? And you can get a divorce. He removed that. Like, it's he is very much into... I think that when it comes to a lot of things he's done, sure, some might say that, oh, yeah, this is very, um, like, anti-Muslim and stuff like that. But it's kind of a changing of the status quo, and people don't like that. It's more of a... He, in my opinion, what he's trying to do is trying to make India keep up with the world superpowers, first of all, and then also kind of, and to do that, he needs to make a co- more cohesive uh, country, obviously, mm-hmm. but there's a reason that so many people vote for him, regardless of religion. There's a very high number of Muslim people that also vote for Modi at the end of the day, because he is, they've seen that he has helped out um, a lot of, like a, in a lot of areas but the western media obviously like portrays him in a light that nobody understands so to put him under the trump lens exactly pretty much that's not fair that's not fair at all Biden, i mean Biden, definitely I their know. their friendship didn't help with that <laughs> but Brody, Brody. Yeah, I could, he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't give a shit like that's the other thing i realized that like modi's a fucking savage when it comes to international relations when it comes to biden that's the issue he doesn't give a shit he, but, that's um, what the, but like that's when the, it comes to like trump well, biden or trump as of right now he put them on the exact same playing field like people said that oh yeah this would be a really bad thing for modi, modi if biden got elected right he didn't yeah, let both. that happen they're both yeah yeah <clears throat> the okay. trade relations are actually a lot stronger than with trump so you like uh. It's very, they put him under a Trump lens because he has people in his cabinet that are fucking crazy. That's it. Like, but yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to our last topic of the day. Uh, I know we're at the one hour mark, so I apologize for this podcast and for being longer, guys. But we're all having fun, I think. Hopefully you guys are too. Uh, so we're talking about the uh, recent COVID outbreak, second wave of coronavirus in India right now. Obviously, it's very devastating. You know, millions, hundreds of thousands, 200,000 cases pretty much on the daily at this point, 300,000 cases on the daily. Um, if you guys haven't, uh, if you guys can support India, like it would be like donating like the UNICEF for oxygen canisters or whatever uh, organization, any facet that you can do, I'm sure that will help. Um, so I guess I wanted to talk about why do you guys think that this uh, outbreak got so bad? I Obviously, I guess in the beginning, overpopulated. I mean, there's just, just, just like a billion people in a country the third of the size of America. Like, it, it, yeah. it's really bad. So, um, it's, uh... Okay, okay. Go sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay, so, yeah, sorry. Um, oh, yeah, you go for it. You. Okay, okay. You. So, I, I guess I wanted to start with um, there are very, uh, there are very tangible things that led to this. Uh, for example, India is a country that has incredibly high population density, so people can't really socially distance. Um, but then going going off of that, oh, oh okay, sorry. So that's 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 an, that's one tangible thing. Another tangible thing is Indians' access to medicine uh, on a greater scale is just like going to be poor, uh, just because they don't have widespread healthcare infra. Uh, okay, now in terms of not tangible, these are these are opinion- Wait, you want to know something? Yeah, sorry. Funny? Like in the throughout the world, like oh yeah, we say that this country has socialized healthcare. This country has like capitalist healthcare and shit. India has sure. its own form of healthcare that nobody understands. Like 
<laughs> except for like medical it's experts. Called shitty healthcare. <laughs> it's called shitty health, but like it's so weird because there's no definition as to what India's healthcare system actually represents. Like, there's socialism, there's capitalism involved, but nobody fucking knows what works. Like, okay, actually, shitty healthcare now- is uh, pretty strong. I like to take that my comments. Shout out to all the doctors working really hard for the COVID <laughs> patients because all the hospitals are open. Uh-huh. I like to withdraw before I get canceled. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I think um, the the bigger the 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 the, the thing that now is gonna like go into more into my opinions as opposed to facts is like um, knowledge is just like one of those things that people hold dearly to themselves as fact. But then just like, can you guys really think about how many times you've heard something and it's been told to you as a fact, but you yourself have never really confirmed it. What do you hey, mean? Ravi Uncle. Hold <laughs> Wait, wait, what did, what did you Oh, say? hey, Ravi Uncle's just in the background. Say, say hi, Dad. <laughs> hi, Uncle. <laughs> okay. So, like, sorry, what's your question? I, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at then is that, well, in India, there's a widespread problem with people just going through it the WhatsApp forwards, you know. <laughs> Mass mass misinformation campaigns brought upon yourselves. Okay, people, and then and then to to and then and then and this is this is really a global thing. It's not just in India, but it definitely had a worse effect in India at this point. Um, the mixture of politics and healthcare, specifically when there's a win, people. Oh my God. Okay, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna say it. In January, when Modi was like, yeah, guys, Indians everywhere, you guys have saved the planet. You guys have beat the coronavirus. You guys, you guys are pioneers. You guys are strong. Oh, man. How he fucked everybody over when he said that. Oh, geez. I mean, like, just like this idea that, like, somebody who is not a person who is founded in science can have, like, such a large impact as to basically almost trick people into thinking that everything has been fine and then for everybody to stop the social distancing to stop Wait, the quarantining to stop the to stop the wearing of the masks when did he say that he did say there was a he had a he, there's a there's a he did there's, there's, there's a, a speech that he gave there's a speech he, he pretty gave. much he pretty much he pretty much said like yeah like we've beaten this virus like it's all because of the indian people so yeah like in a way i'll give Modi that like he was trying to unify the people and try to celebrate. But on the other hand, celebrate. he jumped the gun way too quick. And then this you know the, came out. You know, the conversation that I was having with, my, with our relatives, Ayush, is that, oh, you know, Indians have stronger immune systems. They could be. Yeah, so dad said, man. He was just Wait, like, no, oh, like, yeah, we're just no, built no, no. Nobody, let, let's, let's get something very straight. Nobody has a clear fucking understanding of what's going on, first of all. And two, your immune system can't beat something that it hasn't seen, all right? That's not how it works, all right? It can't just go out of its way to well, go after something that it's never entirely seen before. This is has had, like, MERS or SARS already, so I, I, that's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, just to kind of like a public health aspect of this, when I, like, saw this issue, one, yeah. India has a very young population. Like, compared to, we're talking about America's, like, the social security thing. America has a very, like, growing older population. India as a developing country has a very young population. And really? therefore, as a developing country, uh, like, when the first wave of coronavirus hit, they, 
weren't as affected as we all necessarily thought we would, they would be because of the young population being able to tolerate, not tolerate better, but like the COVID vaccine obviously affected like older population much more significantly. So the, the experience that India had with its first wave kind of relaxed the, their understanding, the relaxed their approach towards future uh, um, of the coronavirus. That was the one, another thing that was leading to, led to the um, second wave. That, that's what led to the basis of people saying, oh, Indians have a strong immune system. I don't doubt that they, they, they go through some shit, they eat some crap, they eat, they have terrible air quality, they eat terrible food, that their immune systems are probably on average better than the, uh, maybe like an average person in America, but yeah. I don't think it's strong enough to fight off the COVID. But you know what? Um, another thing is kind of relating back to when um, in January when Modi was saying stuff like we, I don't, I, I know, I don't know the exact words, but it's something similar to the tone of what Avnish was saying. But one other thing that they did is the whole political aspect of thing. But we said Modi trying to build a, uh, a world power. So what he did is a lot of the vaccines that they were, were given, the vaccines that they had purchased, instead of Modi saying like, oh, promoting the distribution and use of vaccines in India, he's like, yeah, I'm going to distribute it to like uh, other countries and focused on like shipping it to Brazil, which I mean, it's a good thing. Like Brazil at that time was very significantly hit by the coronavirus and they needed as much help as they could. And they're giving it to countries around the world rather than, rather than focusing on their own population. And while that from like a global aspect is obviously, you know, commendable, the message that it gave to people in India is like, oh yeah, I don't trust this COVID vaccine yet. Like our prime minister isn't like emphasizing like, you know, like Biden, like his thing, like when he came into office, like we need to get like a hundred million vaccines. Like he and the as presidency and like a lot of other presidencies have like focused on the distribution of COVID vaccines within their own country before they focused on uh, outside help. Like now they are, now that the U.S. has kind of had the situation more in control, they're helping out like India and helping out like Brazil and like other countries in the world that are struggling with it. But that was not Bodhi's approach. Like the timing of it in which they had like a drop in cases in winter was like kind of suspect. And so like, yeah, we beat the COVID, we beat coronavirus. We can just not worry about it anymore. And that's what led to people not taking the vaccine. People stopped taking masks, lockdown being over. So uh, those are kind of like the first initial like public health aspect of why uh well, I ended up coming back and biting India in the butt really badly in terms of their modern outbreak. Um, I know there's also, this is something that I wanted to quickly mention. Um, the Indian Indo-China relations are also uh, not very good right now, I would say, in a delicate place. I think that's Whereas, like, I know what everyone does. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the India and China in particular, and uh, there's the growing. Um, They're the two big dogs. There, there's a growing, I don't know, WhatsApp forms or growing whatever um, narrative that China planted a bioweapons bomb in India that caused the second outbreak, or the China planted a bioweapons bomb that caused this white fungus, black fungus that's causing in uh, uh, India. And so I just wanted I to know. So I don't want, I mean, I don't want, this is a serious matter, Gupta. Um, so I wanted to uh, hear your guys' thoughts. Like, if you guys have heard anything similar from your families, from your guys' uh, wait, no, no, definitely news outlets. like um, it's like it's literally like a Japanese uh, lab-made virus that was spread <laughs> to the rest of the world, and uh, no, no, just, just India, just just because they were jealous of India. Yeah. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but like yeah. things like this, kind of like 
and for like it kind of ties back to things we we're talking about earlier about like the growing uh, uncertainty, the growing like tensions between uh, different political tensions and religious tensions in India that can cause drastic issues and mistrust and can really impede the growth of India as a country. So I was just something not related to COVID outbreak necessarily, but I just wanted to bring up. I think that like in terms of uh, my family, especially if anyone were to say that shit, like my brother and I, we would go off on them. So, like, they are very hesitant in uh, (laughs) talking trash about, like, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. When it comes to, like, Asian – the thing is, is that the – like, just based on epidemiology as of right now, you can also see that uh, when it comes to the larger scheme of things, like, the highest, uh, like, likelihood of – like uh, viruses developing the places which they have the highest likelihood of developing are india and china because of the population density and the fact well, the, that the climate there is conducive for like viral and bacterial viral, growth exactly. and then also on top of that like you also see that they don't have that big of a separation between animals and humans as we do in america like you'll see cows roaming the streets right that's literally how smallpox and cowpox can vector but, transmission uh, yeah yeah, vector transmission super easy between animals and uh, humans. Um, so I think that it's just like science makes sense. If you start putting all this bullshit conspiracy theories into it, it like kind of fucks up your view on life. <laughs> like yeah. we don't actually understand much, uh, which is why I think that like a science education is so important. But education is also a major cause for all these issues that we talked about before. Yeah. Like, I think. We talked about overpopulation, but I think education would be right right up there at the second biggest, or if not the biggest, cause of these racial, religious, political tensions. Man, I think Are you that, sure muted if you're trying to say something? Sorry, I was going to say in India, there's like, here I feel like the streams of information are like, I don't, okay, there's probably a lot, but it's like very generalized where in India, there's just so many streams of information depending on like the communities you come from to the point where... yeah. Like coming to a consensus is like infinitely harder in India of like even on like basic facts, right? Yeah. Especially pertaining to the like this surge and even like how like just the whole way India's been dealing with COVID. But especially I hundred percent agree, especially especially mm-hmm. in like the gowns, like the villages, mm-hmm. uh, where there's like not as much in like, you know, like TV or like print newspapers or like like lower literacy rates, those are the areas that are ha- most highestly affected because the type of information is kind of like word of mouth by neighbors. And that is just prone to bias and other factors. Um, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was inevitable, but uh, uh, there was a lot of factors stacked up against India in terms of COVID virus. And I think that Modi's lack of like distribution of vaccines or like the kind of government, or the, just like the governmental, like the national like distrust and the, efficacy of the vaccines kind of really could have mitigated the second wave when it comes to the um like dispersion of vaccines internationally like vaccine diplomacy has become such a big thing that's kind of necessary in today's day and age no, I, I agree i agree but i i think i mean i this is what i've heard this is like also one thing that can be factual on but they were at one point in delivering deploying more vaccines and administering them that was in places like even like russia they deploy 80 percent of the vaccines they keep 20 
Well, I mean, they don't have as much of a population or as much of a, you know, but even then, that's like, it's like dumb, right? And at the end of the day that you're deploying 80%. It's again, an economic move by more. Mm-hmm. So that I think it's, all, yeah, it's also like his whole speech when he was like, oh yeah, we've defeated this virus. It's brownie points. Like, yeah, he was exactly. just trying to like, like, I understand, like, I, I did appreciate the, like his, in terms of like trying to unite the people a little bit of like, we did this together. Yeah. But yeah. like, I feel like in terms of like in this situation, it just wasn't the move because I feel like every country, I mean, like not just India, but like every country's gone through the motions of like, oh yeah, we've like starting to beat the shit. And then, oh wait, here's a second surge. You know, we always jumped the gun and with India, it was even more deadly, you know? Yeah. So I yeah, don't know. I, I feel like you can't really blame, you can't blame a single person. You can't, it's yeah. obviously a bunch of factors, but you know, this whole like year has just been like in a way damage control like like some bad things unfortunately like it seems like it'll inevitably happen but like there are ways to respond where it won't be as devastating and that's where it's gone wrong that's true no i agree Mm -hmm. people are gonna die even more now or actually no death tolls are going lower right in india Mm -hmm. but yeah the infection rates down infection rate but but yeah, they might reach herd immunity because of that. Herd immunity is going to be impossible in a place like India. They're, you know, by right now, the uh, vaccine uh, dispersion rate in India, they're predicting that the whole country will be vaccinated by 2030, 10 years from now. Eight, or eight yeah, I was now. talking. So I was talking to on my like soccer analytics account. There's like, I have a lot of like followers from India and we were, we were talking about like vaccine rollout and stuff like that. It's like a lot of people haven't even like, there is sometimes there isn't really much of a plan of like, you know, here we have our tier system in yeah. India. It's like a little bit more disorganized. It varies from like what your clinic is, what region you're in. So, and you're just like, yeah, man, I'll be lucky if I get it by like sometime in 2022. And I'm just like, damn. <laughs> and then, then I also asked him like, is there any, are there any like local orgs that I could donate to? And he was like, you should do it. But honestly, a lot of them are like mishandling funds and like, the money is getting funneled to other places where it shouldn't be. And you're just like, yeah, just don't do it right now. It'll be a waste of money. And it's just like, yeah, there you go. There's it's also a shame. Corruption, like, corruption is another big factor behind yeah. all of these oh, political, shit. religious, or racial healthcare issues. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think we're reaching the time limit. Anyone you want to have any final comments before I finish things off? Yeah. Last comment for me is look, when it comes to these issues, I know that I might not have the same opinion as most of y'all when it comes to most of the stuff, but definitely. I mean, you never do, but (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I really just hopped in at the wrong time. (laughs) That's also because I don't like, like the fact that you are so, we are, we've become such a one-sided society that it's either, it's so binary that this is right and this is wrong. It's, it can't be like that. You have to have it be kind of more like a spectrum. But that's see, like, I can issue that is. No, yeah, you're right. You're right with like things shouldn't be so binary, by binary all the time. Like there is like complexities in every different situation. But like, man, education is the most important thing because like people who are less educated or don't know much about a topic will view things as binary. Whereas like, if you read up about these things, you'll see different complexities and whatnot what so off the just most, read up right? I, I know it's so not many, it's not fun it's not I fun like, at all i see so many people on facebook and everything they're all like college 
they've all gone to college. They've all like a lot of them are going into med school, <laughs> and like, a lot of them are doing like master's degrees. <laughs> like, a lot of them are like doing PhDs, and they're just very one-sided on a lot of these issues. So even like education, you need to like read up on the history. You need to read up. Yeah, hundred percent. That's education. That's education. Exactly. You need to be very multifaceted when it comes to these issues. You can't just have one view of like issues. You can't have the fact that it's just right now that this is exactly what's happening right now, which is why everything is so bad for this group of people. Like, you need to look at the history and understand what yeah, like, and what I think led to this. Like, obviously, there are very bad situations think, as of right now. But sorry, just last last slide. Sorry, but like. You need to understand the history mm-hmm. behind something before you can make a judgment call as to what is right or wrong. And if you feel that I have said something that just doesn't make sense to you or like just that doesn't line up with That's your cool. thoughts, then like talk about it. Don't cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to cancel you and call you a racist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like that's what I'm saying. Like, I I, oh, totally agree. I think I think Gupta, this is something we could totally agree on. Like when it comes to, I've seen too that like because of my views and stuff, I've seen people they've stopped talking to me on a lot of these issues. It's because they just genuinely don't appreciate what I've said. But I've I keep telling this to you guys and everyone in my friend groups as well that if you don't agree with something, then talk to me about it. Don't just stop talking. That literally makes the divide even worse. Yeah. No, I like, think, you can reach yeah, out to Gupta at that, hindulover69 at gmail.com. <laughs> Time to move to on Instagram. Also, I'm kidding. Also, by the but, way, um, I, I'm not even religious. So I, 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 I was joking. <laughs> I think, yeah, like, I agree. Like, I feel like, yes, there's sometimes, like, it's very hard. Like, let's say someone has a very polar opposite view, where, like, especially here in the U.S., like, Black Lives Matter, police brutality, where it's, like, like, sometimes it's hard to, like, even fathom like how can someone think this way or like not really think much about someone else's life but i think i do agree on some issues where if you stop having a dialogue then we're never going to come to an understanding or at least try to compromise on certain things and to the point of like you know education and misinformation like in terms of like you know people picking like one side versus the other, I think that's also a huge result because there's just been so many like throughout this year, there's been so many issues, you know, both interconnected and not connected to the point where like everyone kind of has feels like there's a responsibility to at least have a stance on it, even if it's based off of like you know your pastel looking Instagram repost or like ever New York Times article you read, but I mean I feel like. What I'm, what I'm trying to do or like, you know, what I strive to do is focus on like the issues that I probably care about the most and just focus on those. Cause if you, you know, you disperse your energy amongst a billion things, I feel like your impact is a lot lower. I don't know yeah. if that's related at all to this. I, little, like, no, I used, that's a good way. I think you need it. to dive deep on one because I feel like you're, you're going to get the information, right? You're going to be able to have a bigger impact and you kind of like even with you like let's say i got super knowledgeable about one political issue i could like kind of gupta who is like definitely there's definitely some bias here but he is definitely very well read up on a lot of things but yeah he's like a good source of information and then if there's something that you know seems a little fishy like i can go do my own information too but 
it's a good way to keep a dialogue going and it's exactly. important yeah and if you think that i say anything fishy at you fuck you man i did all my research oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm kidding um but no if you do if you do feel like something is wrong then i agree like that's a hundred percent perfect way of looking at it. we're not fighting like we're not in the midst of a war that if i say something that oh. are we dropping are we dropping in a war zone oh, no. uh, <laughs> there's always in the gulag with these comments <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like we're not we're not in like we shouldn't consider that fact yeah. that oh somebody said something that doesn't line up with you like oh you're the wrong person like i'm gonna kill you now you should like have a dialogue. That's what you should say. Have a fucking dialogue. Talk to people. Seriously. Any last comments of Nish? Important. Is Nish even? No. Is he even okay. here? He's well, here. Uh, he's, a bit, here. he's a bit slow. I mean, you know. You guys hear me? I'm in the internet. So yeah, now we can hear you. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, um... Oh, yeah. I think that my internet connection is unstable. So I'll just say, yeah, I've been trying to follow along a lot of talking during these podcasts, and I don't learn enough. But today was rather educational. All right, perfect. I, I mean, that's what we... Oh. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Was that your final comment, or did you... Yeah, he said, I can hear him. He said he's good. Okay. Uh, okay, so I guess we'll just finish things off. We know today was a longer episode, but we hope that these longer episodes, I think our last like, really long episode was like the Black Lives Matter one. And so we hope that like these ones are uh, rather educational for those of you who don't know as much about Indian politics. Um, I mean, like we all, I think we all learned something new or like got a new perspective on things in this call. And I mean, that's the point of this podcast. It's like, we're like I said, we're just, a, we're not, like we said, like we're not experts on this matter. We say that right in the middle, middle of the intro. We're not uh here to and uh, you know sway your opinion left one way or right we're just ha- here having a conversation and hope that you guys can either i don't know get a new perspective on things learn something if that is if that that's that's like long the best case scenario if you guys learned something you didn't before like we even if it's one of our like what 30 viewers <laughs> listens it's fine for us that's a success um if you're someone who disagrees with us um i'm sorry about that we're like we're more than willing to have a conversation but i guess like the baseline of everything that we've said today is We've talked about religious uh, and like political and uh, public health tensions. Is ultimately we we all agree that everyone should be treated equally. Like you know, like Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs. We talked about a lot of different religions, and there were like everyone a lot of like, complex issues. Yeah, uh, we hope that no one after this podcast felt targeted. Hope that no one felt like they their you know like their opinions weren't heard or opinions were you know subjected. We just wanted we want everyone to feel that. Uh, they are treated equally and they're treated and they are, uh, you know, their voice or their family's voice or their uh, cultural uh, opinions are, are, uh, are heard. Uh, farmers, if you have family who's affected by the farmers protests, if you have family who's affected by like the, the religious political wars of like Kashmir and other Indian Pakistan and other political things that you guys want to talk about or you guys want to share your opinion, we're more than happy to hear about it. We're more than happy to have you on. We're, we just like, uh, wanted to talk about this and hear what we have uh, done from our research. So we hope that everyone enjoyed this podcast. We hope that you guys uh, maybe learned something. Uh, please don't cancel us. Shout out to all the, <laughs> uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, shout out to, like we said, talk about the COVID population and shout out to all the healthcare workers. Uh, even though the healthcare system in India is a bit, you know, not ideal, 
shout out to all the healthcare workers who are working tirelessly, seeing all these patients, seeing all this like difficult times. So we hope that everyone in around the country is doing okay uh, with everything that's happening and uh, make sure to stay tuned for our next episode. Follow us on Instagram. If you haven't already uh, at just like me podcast, uh, make sure to comment, like subscribe. See you guys next time.